right, open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel as we start a new Old Testament book tonight. We're going to look at chapter 1 this evening, and the title is Ezekiel Sees the Lord's Glory. Ezekiel Sees the Lord's Glory. Ezekiel prophesies among the Jewish exiles in Babylon during the last days of Judah's decline and downfall. In some ways, his ministry is similar to that of his older counterpart, Jeremiah. But while Jeremiah delivers a chilling message of destruction in Jerusalem, Ezekiel here brings a warmer message of reconstruction in Babylon. Jeremiah is a man of tears. He was called the weeping prophet. Ezekiel is a man of visions. And those visions go from dread to hope. From condemnation on Judah's faithless leaders and godless enemies to comfort regarding Judah's future. Through it all, mankind would see the glory of Israel's sovereign God. And because they would, they would know, God says, they shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel, his name means God will strengthen. God will strengthen. Ezekiel was was a man who chose to obey God. Even though he was a priest, he served as a Jewish street preacher in Babylon for 22 years, telling everyone about God's judgment and salvation and calling them to repentance and obey. And Ezekiel practiced what he preached. And during his ministry, God told him to do some weird things to get his message across. Like lying on his side for 390 days. And during that time, the only thing he could eat was one eight-ounce meal a day. Cooked over manure. He was asked to shave his head and his beard. When his wife died, he showed no sorrow. And he obeyed faithfully, preaching God's word. Now, God may never ask you or I to do anything like he asked Ezekiel to do. You know, anything strange or hard. But here's a question. Think about it. If he did, would you do it? If he did, would you do it? The book of Ezekiel records his life and his ministry. And it starts out with his call as a prophet and his appointment as a watchman for the nation of Israel in chapters 1, 2, and 3. In chapters 4 through 24, Ezekiel immediately started preaching and demonstrating God's truth as he preached the coming siege and destruction of Jerusalem. And the coming devastation would be God's judgment for the people's idolatry. Ezekiel Ezekiel challenged them to turn from their wicked ways and turn back to the Lord. In the next section, chapters 25 through 32, Ezekiel spoke to the surrounding nations prophesying that God would judge them for their sins too. And then in chapters 33 through 48, the book ends with a message of hope. 
as Ezekiel preached the faithfulness of God and he predicted the future blessings for God's people. Now, there are many unexplained mysteries in Ezekiel's vision. But one thing is very clear. Jehovah is, Jehovah is the sovereign Lord of Israel and of all the nations of the earth. So as we study the book of Ezekiel, watch how he preached the word of God fearlessly to the exiled Jews in the streets of Babylon and listen to the eternal truth of God's love and his power. And think about each person's responsibility <clears throat> to trust God and the certainty of God's judgment against idolatry, rebellion, and lack of interest. Then commit yourself to obey God, whatever, wherever, and whenever he asks. The purpose of the book of Ezekiel was to announce God's judgment on Israel and the other nations and to predict the eventual uh, salvation of God's people. The book of Ezekiel was written to the Jews in captivity in Babylon and God's people everywhere. The setting for the book, Ezekiel was a younger contemporary of Jeremiah. While Jeremiah ministered to the people still in Judah, Ezekiel prophesied to those already exiled in Babylon after the defeat of King Jehoiachin in 597 BC. The key verses of Ezekiel are chapter 36, verses 24 through 26. And it reads, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Chapters 1, uh, one through 3 covers, like I said, Ezekiel's prophetic call and the introduction to his call. Let's begin now with chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kabar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Ezekiel was already in exile by the Kabar River. The Kabar River was a man-made canal used for irrigation. The water came down from the Euphrates River and it was used to water the farmland. Foreign countries were considered unclean places to live. And the exiles would mostly look like, uh, would mostly uh, uh, look for running water to use in, in ritual purification before prayer or other religious ceremonies. Ezekiel might have gone there for a time of personal prayer and devotion. And it was there by the river, he says, that the heavens were opened and he saw visions from God. What Ezekiel describes is the door being opened to heaven's throne room of God. And the word saw there, in verse 1, may refer to something, an, an actual physical sight that he saw, but it also could be related to spiritual insight. You know, like you say, you know, he saw the light of the Lord. He saw, you know, spiritual things. And it was often used of visions, uh, visions, experience, vision experiences that describe the messages of some of the prophets. 
These revelations came in visions, dreams, or inspiration of words directly from God. Verse 2. He said, On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. Jehoiakim's captivity started in 597 B.C. after he'd been king only for three months. Ezekiel's call from God during the fifth year of the king's imprisonment, which was also the fifth year of Ezekiel's exile in Babylon. Verse 3. The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kabar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Ezekiel was not called to give his own opinions or to tell the people what they wanted to hear. Ezekiel was called, like all prophets are called, to declare God's word. And this is why we read, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel would give the messages to the hopeless and careless exiles. But the messages wouldn't be Ezekiel's own messages. They wouldn't be his own ideas or his own truth of his choosing. Instead, they would be the Lord's word, the message that God had for the people. And this word says it came expressly to him. Expressly meaning authentically. Authentically. And the verse goes on to add, the hand of the Lord was upon him there. It wasn't easy for a patriot like Ezekiel to spend five years in exile. And it's never easy for a man to preach for the, for the Lord what he must preach, especially when the message is exactly what stubborn men do not want to hear. And not only that, Ezekiel was a young man. He was probably about 30 years old. And the Israelites did not listen to young men. At least from Moses onward, the Israelites had special respect for the words of old men, the elders in the land. But in spite of all this, or maybe because of it, Ezekiel was very aware that God's hand was upon him to guide him, to strengthen him, and to free him from those things that he feared. And God's hand was on Ezekiel, not only during this time before his call, but six other times it said that God's hand was on him. So any man or any woman who will hear and obey God's word will receive the strength that they need from God to carry out his word, God's word, in the lives of men and in the lives of nations. Now verses 4 through 28 covers the vision of God's glory. Now, and as I said at the beginning, you know, there are some very uh, mystery, uh, uh, mysterious things you know, in, in God's word in, in Ezekiel. And in this first chapter, uh, in describing the vision of God's glory, it just, you know, as I would, was reading it and just trying to picture it in my mind, I, I still could not get a real clear picture of what Ezekiel was describing. Israel was established as a theocracy, that is, a nation governed by God, by the covenant at, at Mount Sinai under Moses' leadership. But eventually, the people rejected a theocratic state, you know, being, being ruled by God, for a theocratic monarchy. He want, they wanted a king in the days of Samuel. And that's, they got Saul. 
Ezekiel and the exiles were removed by force from the land, and as a result, they thought in some way the presence of the Lord was removed as well. So that being the case, if that was the case, where was God? Was he in Israel? If he was removed, how could he allow, how could he let pagan armies live in the land? Was God absent? King Nebuchadnezzar's capture and control of Jerusalem raised some serious theological problems with the people. If the capture of Jerusalem was allowed to go on, it would mean Babylon's gods are mightier than Jehovah God, the God of Israel, which we know isn't true. This was one reason why the exiles refused to accept the idea of a long-term captivity, because they couldn't believe that God would use another nation as an instrument of judgment. Ezekiel declared Jehovah to be God of the whole world and that God cared for his people and was with his people even in the punishment of their exile. He believed God. Jeremiah believed God was free to use whoever he chose to use, even pagan kings, to accomplish his purposes. The vision of the glory of God here was comforting because, you see, it confirmed God's continued concern for his people. But it was also the foundation for Ezekiel's call as the prophet of judgment. The vision has five parts to it. First, the windstorm in verse 4. Second, the four living creatures in verses 5 through 14. Third part, the wheels in verses 15 through 21. Fourth part, the platform or the firmament uh, in verses 22 through 27. And fifth, Ezekiel's response in verse 28. Now I'm going to start off now with verse 4. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation to help, again, uh, better understand what's being said. So let's begin with verse 4. And Ezekiel said, as he's going to describe now the glory of the Lord in this vision. He said in verse 4, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. New Living Translation says, Ezekiel says, And as I looked, I saw a great storm coming from the north, driving before it a huge cloud that flashed with lightning and shone with brilliant light. There was a fire inside the cloud, and in the middle of the fire glowed something like gleaming amber. So now Ezekiel is going to describe the best he can in his own words what he saw. This spiritual vision. It's basically a vision of heavenly scenes. So so Ezekiel here is out of the realm of human experience. And he he has to try to describe here what he sees in his own words describing something he's never seen. It's much like John in Revelation. You know, he saw things that he had never seen before, things that he didn't have words for, you know, that that his vocabulary didn't have the words to describe the vision that he was seeing. So again, Ezekiel is describing in his own words the things that he's he's seen, but there's things that he's seeing, but things that he's never seen before. So to give an accurate description of what he's seen is impossible because Ezekiel is limited to human language that we can relate to. So this incredible vision introduced Ezekiel to a theophany, 
which is a, a visible manifestation of God or a, or a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ. When he saw God, then revelation came in a great thunderstorm or the windstorm. The flashing fire of lightning and the amazing display of nature got his attention much like Moses, uh, God got Moses' attention when he saw the burning bush. And the fire represented the presence of God. The fire was also a symbol of the refined and purifying parts of judgment. The captives had lost the sense of awe and majesty of Jehovah God. Jehovah showed himself to Ezekiel in power, majesty, and holiness so that Ezekiel could sense God's character as he gave his message to the captives. Now, verses 5 through 14 covers the four living creatures. Verses 5 through 14. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side. And each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upward. Two wings of each one touched one another and two covered their bodies. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the spirit wanted to go and they did not turn when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Could you imagine seeing that? I'd probably pass out. Okay, from the New Living Translation, let me read what was said here. Ezekiel says, from the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human, except that each had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, and their feet had hooves like those of a calf and shone like burnished bronze. Under each of their four wings, I could see human hands. So each of the four beings had four faces and four wings. The wings of each living being touched the wings of the beings beside it. Each one moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. Each had a human face in the front, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle at the back. Each had two pairs of outstretched wings. One pair stretched out to touch the wings of the living beings on either side of it, and the other pair covered its body. They went in whatever direction the spirit chose, and they moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. The living beings looked like bright coals of a fire or brilliant torches, and lightning seemed to flash back and forth among them, and the living beings darted to and fro like flashes of lightning. So as Ezekiel watched the coming storm, four living creatures came into sight. He sees them again later in chapter 10, verse 5 and verse 20, where they're called cherubim, or angels. These are angelic creatures divinely appointed guardians of the holiness of God. 
Their purpose was to stop anything unholy from coming into the presence of a holy God. They were a sign that the presence of Jehovah was near the holy God of Israel in the storm cloud. Remember after Adam and Eve sinned, cherubim were placed at the entrance of the garden to keep Adam and Eve from coming back into the garden they were, because they had sinned and they were now sinful human beings. And so the cherubim were to keep them from coming back into the presence of God because unholiness cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. So the images of these cherubim were so, you know, these images of the cherubim were sewn even on the curtains of the tabernacle to guard the Holy of Holies against unauthorized entrance. Inside the Holy of Holies, gold cherubim, a cherubim were placed on top of the Ark of the Covenant that contained the covenant tablets and they confirmed God's presence there so in Ezekiel's vision here of the cherubim they're signs of God's presence and he and his concern for the exiles in Babylon so these verses list 10 characteristics of the cherubim these servants of God these cherubim were equipped specifically to do their assigned duty Every part of their appearance represented some characteristic related to the performance of their tasks. We're going to look at these characteristics. The first characteristic, the four living creatures had the form or appearance of a man, according to verse 5. Their general appearance was human, but they had some additionally unique non-human features. And even though they weren't human... Their human characteristics were a fitting reminder that humans are the crown of God's creative work and and we are the main focus of His creation. Secondly, every creature had four faces, one one each on four sides, according to verse 8. Describing in detail these things in verse 10. Each face represented the highest forms of animal life in a general category. One face was of a man, which was the highest of God's creatures, being made in the image of God. One face was a lion and represented wild, untamed animals. Another face was like an ox and represented domestic animals. And a third face was like an eagle, the most powerful and magnificent of all the birds of God created. These creatures show God as the Lord of his creation. Human beings were the crown of his creative work. And they were to exercise, human beings were to exercise authority as the stewards of creation. Some believe that the lion represented strength, the ox diligent service, the man intelligence, and the eagle divinity. Others see these things as the most majestic of God's creatures and represent God's whole creation. The early church fathers saw a connection between these beings and the four gospels. The lion with the Gospel of Matthew, presented Jesus as the Lion of Judah. The ox, presented in Mark, portraying Jesus as the servant. And the man is presented in Luke, portraying Jesus as the Son of God, exalted and driven. And the eagle, in the Gospel of John, presenting uh, Christ's divinity, his deity. So John's visit uh, in Revelation chapter 4, like I said, has the same similarities as Ezekiel's uh, vision here. The third characteristic here we see in verse 7, it says their legs were straight with hooves like a calf that shine like brass. The word straight here refers to their unjointed structure. The foot was like the hoof of a calf rounded for easy turning. 
And this characteristic suggested the stability of these creatures in doing what they were assigned to do. The next characteristic, under their wings, it says each creature had hands like a human being in verse 8. Each was related closely to his neighbor and united as one in doing their assigned tasks. And then the fifth characteristic in verse 9 and 12, it says, When they moved, they went straight forward. Since there was a face on each of the four sides, any direction they moved could be forward. So the creatures didn't turn to change direction of movement, which suggests a sense of, of purpose, commitment, and availability for assignments. Sixth characteristic on, in verse 11 and 8, these cherubim had wings and they each had four wings. Two wings were stretched uh, upward, apparently to support the throne uh, or platform and or in praise to God on the throne. And it says these two wings touched the wings of each creature next to it in verses 9 and 23. And the other two wings were used to cover the body of each creature as a sign of humility and modesty. The additional pair of wings were used to cover the faces of the creatures from the face of God. Seventh characteristic, verse 12 and 20, it says, They followed the Spirit in their movement. This refers to the divine Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the one who sat on the throne above them, who was directing and enabling their movements. The Old Testament taught that the beings that surrounded Jehovah uh, were there to do His will. And in the New Testament, the Spirit is the, uh, is, in, is the one who enables all created beings to perform the will of God. So the cherubim were divinely appointed and empowered to do the will and the work of God. The eighth characteristic, verse 7, says their appearance was like burnished bronze and burning coals of, uh, of fire or torches in verse 13. This characteristic was associated with a theophany. The brightness of their appearance suggests that their close relationship and closeness was to Jehovah. The ninth characteristic, the creatures moved as quick as lightning, according to verse 14. This idea suggests instant action that resulted in the immediate implementation, the immediately putting, carrying out the will of God that was set in motion by the power of the Holy Spirit. And last, the tenth uh, characteristic of these creatures. The wings of the creatures made an awesome sound according to verses 23, 24, and 25. To Ezekiel, God's voice was like many waters or rushing waters. So this language confirms that this is a theophany. So these special creatures who are, who are part angel, part human, and part animal were fitting representatives of the whole created order. Their activity confirmed the relationship of God to His creation as Lord of all things. This idea was very important to help Ezekiel and the captives of an exile and the people in Judah help them to understand that, notice, in the midst of the storms of life, God was still on the throne. He was aware of what the people were going through. And then in verses 15 through 21, these verses covered the wheels. Let's read verses 15 through 21. Ezekiel says, Now as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. 
The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of burl, and all four had the same, uh, same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And when they moved, they went toward, uh, they went toward any one of, of four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. And as for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome, and their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the spirit, wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went because the spirit, because their spirit went, and the wheels were lifted together with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Verse twenty-one. When those went, these went. When those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Now from the New Living Translation. Ezekiel says, As I looked at these beings, I saw four wheels touching the ground beside them, one wheel belonging to each. The wheels sparkled as if made, by burl, made of burl. All four wheels looked, like, looked alike and were made the same. Each wheel had a second wheel turning crosswise within it. The beings could move in any of the four directions they faced without turning as they moved. The rims of the four wheels were tall and frightening, and they were covered with eyes all around. When the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them. When they flew upward, the wheels went up too. The spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. So wherever the spirit went, the wheels and the living beings also went. When the beings moved, the wheels moved. When the beings stopped, the wheels stopped. When the beings flew upward, the wheels rose up, for the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. You know, and, and I've heard before people who believe in flying saucers and alien, they go to this scripture because of the wheels and, the, and all of these things. But this is a picture, again, of the glory of God. There were four wheels according to verse 16 each with an intersecting wheel and each coupled with one of the cherubim. The intersecting wheels enabled the creatures and the cloud to move in any direction instantly without having to turn, moving like a flash of lightning. These wheels, Ezekiel said, looked like burl, which was a yellow or greenish, greenish yellow precious stone. And they were very high as those reaching uh, from earth to heaven. And the rims were awesome and full of eyes. And again... Just sitting and trying to picture this was just so, so beyond me. But again, it makes sense. Ezekiel's trying to describe this in his own words and something he's never seen before. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven? The spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels so that the living creatures moved in whatever direction the wheels moved. So obviously this was an awesome sight. The huge wheels, the living creatures, the surrounding fire, and the eyes in the rims of the wheels. What this is, is a fascinating picture of the providence or the wisdom of God. Always at work, intricately designed, never wrong, never late. And then verses 22 through 27 covers the platform. Let's begin with verses 22 through 25. Ezekiel says, The likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was, was like the color of an awesome crystal, 
stretched out over their heads. And under the firmament, their wings spread out straight, one toward another. Each one had two, which, which covered one side, and, and each one had two, which covered the other side of the body. When they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty. A tumult, like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. So from the New Living Translation, Ezekiel says, Spread out above them was a surface like the sky, glittering like crystal. Beneath this surface, the wings of each living being stretched out to touch the other's wings, and each had two wings covering its body. As they flew, their wings sounded to me like waves crashing against the shore, or like the voice of the Almighty, or like the shouting of a mighty army. When they stopped, they let down their wings, and as they stood with wings lowered, a voice spoke from beyond the crystal surface above them. The firmament. This awesome firmament or expanse or platform or surface, Ezekiel says it looked like sparkling ice, like crystal. And it stood over the heads of the cherubim. So now we get the total picture. A heavenly chariot with four wheels moving quickly from place to place as the Lord commanded it. As it moved. The noise of the wings of the cherubim sounded like, it says here, notice, the noise of great waters coming together, or like the voice of the Almighty, and like the sound of a mighty army. The wheels symbolize the omnipresence of God everywhere, all the time, while the eyes on their rim suggest the omniscience of God, knowing all things. So this is the all-knowing, all-seeing God of everything. Ezekiel was seeing a representation of the providence of God, the wisdom of God, as he worked in his world, God's world. But one more thing was left, the throne. Verses 26 through 28, let's look there. And above the firmament, over their heads, notice, was the likeness of a throne. In appearance like a sapphire stone, on the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. And also from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw as it were the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist downward, I saw as it were the appearance of, of fire with brightness all around. Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. From the New Living Translation, Ezekiel says, Above this surface or this platform or this firmament, he says, was something that looked like a throne made of blue lapis lazuli. And on this throne, high above, was a figure whose appearance resembled a man. And from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like gleaming amber, flickering like a fire. And from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame, shining with splendor. And all around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me, Ezekiel says. When I saw it, I fell down on my face to the ground, and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. So the wheels represented God's omnipresence everywhere. All the time. And his omniscience. Knowing everything. 
And the throne speaks of God's omnipotent authority, all-powerful. So the throne was an azure blue with flashes of fire within it. The man described that Ezekiel saw on the throne was probably a pre-incarnate appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ before he came to the earth in the flesh. In closing, now we can understand, begin to understand the message that God was giving Ezekiel. The message was even though God's people were in exile and even though their nation was about to be destroyed, God was still on the throne and God was able to handle every situation. His providence, his wisdom shows he moves in the affairs of nations and in the affairs of men. He works it all out according to his hidden plan. Israel was not the victim of the Babylonian aggression. It was all God. It was God who allowed the Babylonians to conquer Israel and to chasten the people because of their rebellion. But God would also bring the Medes and the Persians to conquer Babylon, and Cyrus, the king of Persia, would allow the Jews to go back to their land. As Paul said in Romans 11:33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of his wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. No matter what message God gave Ezekiel to preach, or what opposition came from the people against Ezekiel, Ezekiel would be encouraged and strengthened because he had seen this vision of the glory of God. He saw the mighty throne and the glory of God in the midst of the fiery trial. What a great and awesome thing for us to remember. Father, we thank you so much for this. Father, this amazing chapter. And Father, I do pray that Lord, we would, Father, that we would be, Lord, again, it's just so, so hard to describe, Lord, and even for Ezekiel, God. But Lord, the, 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 the main message is, is that he saw God's glory, his omniscience, his omnipotence, and, and his omnipresence, God. And Father, just as it was comforting for Ezekiel to know that God was there in the midst of that fiery trial, that he's in the midst of all of our fiery trials, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness to us, God. And Father, help us. Help us, Lord, to live for you, God, when we have such a great and awesome God, Lord. Father, may we not fear what man can do to us, may we not fear the fire that we might be put into, Lord. But might we fear you, Lord, the wonderful and awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.